Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. I want to start off this week with a big thank you to my early patrons supporting the work of this podcast over at patreon.com slash what's left to do. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash what's left to do. Your support means the world to me. Okay, now back to business. <laughs> I am so happy to finally be releasing this episode with the one and only Malaka Jabali. If you had told me 10 years ago, while we were bopping around day parties in Atlanta, that I'd one day be inviting her on my leftist podcast, I would not believe you. (laughs) But here we are. Her, a renowned writer, organizer, and all-around luminary, and me, still mostly a mess. (laughs) She began life inculcated with the belief of Black liberation being a sacred task which is the through line of everything she does up to the present moment. Who mostly is the reason for this particular swing through the country? Super glad nobody asked, but I'm going to tell you because it's my show. Uh, We initially met like in our 20s, bopping around at like day parties or whatever the fuck in Atlanta. Uh, this was before I was like as um, political or ideological that I, as I am now. So when I kind of uh, kind of started on that journey, and I was I'm like a social media lurker. I don't I'm not like on social, but I like lurk. And I started to see her Abby and her name, and I was like, that can't be the Mal- that can't be the Malika that I was at day parties with because she's like she's she's like writing for the guardian now has like very well reasoned leftist tweets. And that's not something that <clears throat> is necessarily typical of the milieu of the people through whom I met her. No shade at all. They're all wonderful people. But I was like, I just decided because I'm dumb. I just decided that it wasn't you, but it was just someone who's using your Abby for clout. I don't know why, but I was just like, that can't, I can't know somebody who writes for the guardian who is this precise um, with her politic so, um, so just, I don't know, just don't be so excited. Don't get grand. Don't think like thinking, you know, somebody, but then it turned out that it was her because her Twitter handles, literally her name. Um, that's fine. Anyway, <clears throat> I looked over to the left. Come on, tweet. Literally. Uh, <laughs> also, that's, I feel like that's very obvious. Like it's right there. Why hasn't anyone like done anything with that? Anyway, I looked over to the left and I saw a sister comrade. Hey people. (laughs) Hey Janelle. Like it's like, why did I agree to this? She didn't have any sense then. She definitely doesn't have any now. I love that intro. Cause it's like, you know, it's so true though. Mm -hmm. Um there's and that's part of the issue. I know you're gonna have like a whole thing to start off Uh with, but the fact that we have so many like regular regular like black women mm-hmm. who do recognize like the failures of capitalism like we we out here yeah. we can go to day parties that's right. that's right we can have our little mimosas and we still that's, know that capitalism is a problem that's correct but but a lot but ah, we're doing this but why why does that make so many of us uncomfortable you understand what i'm saying because i know we 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 know a grip of the same people and i can 
count on one, two, maybe fingers. And that is including you that wouldn't have an issue with like, like saying that and like not having the hedge. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I do. That's why I'm sitting down with you because I need, I need, I need a black bomb for the soul because I feel I feel crazy and alone out here. But. It can be that. It can be isolating. Yeah. But we, we out here. That's we the out thing. Here. Yeah, it's that's isolating, right. we but we out here. That's correct. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, how have you been? Um, so I just got my second um Pfizer shot. So this is why we might have to wrap this thing up quick in case she starts to melt off of the couch. You know, speaking of bombs, you might need just like a time bomb. Like it's ticking. That's right. I don't know when I might explode. That's right. With side effects. But we here. Uh-huh, right. We made it. We made it. We made it. So you made it. Yeah, listen. I just, uh, it was not easy. Yes. We, we, we right. made it when we, we got here. Um, so I am, I feel like I know don't don't get freaked out i just have a crazy memory like i remember everything so i feel like i i know part of your story like a little bit of your story but yes take me back i was born in atlanta yeah okay. well i was raised in atlanta uh-huh. um where were you born los angeles oh i didn't know so that. i've been to like every region of the country at this point except mm-hmm. i guess there's like a mountain region that i should still check out you mean but like colorado yeah no there's nothing there that you have to denver see. no it's like you'll be ashy and thirsty it's very dry dang both of those together Bo- juntos you don't you Damn. don't need to go there Mm-mm. no you're those. not missing anything okay, okay. um so. so yeah born in la <laughs> most of my family's in cali uh-huh. We were kind of a part of this wave of the second, well, not the second, but the reverse migration mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm, South. Mm-hmm. So I had family originally on my dad's side from like the deep South mm-hmm. and they made their way to Cleveland, Detroit. They're from Louisiana? Or Louisiana, uh-huh. Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they made their way, just kept on like scooting west uh-huh. to Albuquerque, random. Oh, okay. Um, I have some family in Vegas and then California is where most of like my dad's side of the family ended mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. I have a little hair that's in Cleveland, but then my mom was like, you know what? We need some ep- economic opportunity. The mm-hmm. South is going to be ideal for that. So oh, well. raised in Atlanta. Okay. Um, How old were you when you moved to Atlanta? I was about three or four. Okay, little, little. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I mean, that's I mean that's what I know. Like I'm Southern. Uh-huh. I'm sure. Zaxby's, Chick Fil A, <laughs> Coca Cola Southern. <laughs> ah, you grew up on Cascade. No, no, but oh. my my church, um, the, the Shrine of Black Madonna, yeah. it's like rooted in uh, Black Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. It is on the Southwest side, so yeah. we used to always go to Cascade Skating Rink. Where did you? Where would? Where was you at if you wasn't out Southwest? On the other side of town in Stone Mountain. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we had to take the 20 all the way west to Uh go to church. Mm -hmm. I actually was just home. We went uh, skating at Cascade. I was like, why? Did you really? Is it still open? Is it? (laughs) They got like like 20 adult skate nights. Obviously, people just like pandemic weird because it's Atlanta. (laughs) So yeah, we were at Cascade (laughs) Family Skate Center. Huh? Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's still open. Way open. Can you still get out there and do it though? Do what? Oh, can I? (laughs) You mean, can I skate? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's how foreign it is to me. <laughs> I haven't sca- the last time I was there was like teen night, so that oh, should give me some. Okay. It was a, a reference. Okay. Um, right. I did not fall. 
Oh, okay. But that's I was very close to it. Okay. That's <laughs> probably exactly where I would have been had I had the gumption to get on some skates. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Atlanta, and then I came to New York for grad school and kind of kind of hopped back and forth mm-hmm. between New York and Atlanta a little bit over the last, like, kind of my adult years. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm just, like, reporting in the Midwest. Mm, okay. All right. That was the abridged version, but we're going to... We're going to go deep. That's <laughs> correct. <clears throat> Thank you for understanding. Um, what was it? Are you the only child? I am. Okay. Your only child, apple of your parents' eye. What was it like for you... Couple part. This is a multi-part question. You can answer whatever part of it you want to. What was it like growing up in Atlanta? I mean, you weren't quite SWATs, but... Swats. It was like, For, it was my stumping ground. Sure. Yeah, part of it. What was it like growing up, like, in Atlanta during the 90s? And, like, was there, do you, looking back, um, did, did growing up, like, one of the Shrine kids, like, how did that, like, influence your, your upbringing, your kind of outlook on the world, your understanding of things, like, that, that whole thing? And explain what the Shrine is, because I yes. know what it is, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it influenced a lot. So I'll start start backwards. Mm-hmm. The Shrine of the Black Madonna is, uh, it's a church. It's my church home um, that was founded in Detroit mm-hmm. in the midst of the Black Power era. Mm-hmm. So if anyone has heard of Black Liberation Theology, it mm-hmm. came out of that movement. That's right. And it was a way of looking at Christianity the same way that we look at politics, where politics for so long mm-hmm. had abandoned black people. There were very few like black elected officials at the time. Mm -hmm. And Christianity for a lot of like our traditional ancestral religions, Mm -hmm. it meant, um, well not Christianity, but for our our spirituality, it was about um, kind of the here and now that God is through us, Mm -hmm. God is in us. Mm -hmm. And we want to seek freedom and liberation for our people while we're alive and not seek salvation in the afterlife. So it's a very communal process. Uh So coming out of like the fire of the, like literally the fire of the late 1960s, Mm -hmm. the the early 1970s was this, this Phoenix of black liberation theology. Mm -hmm. And our church was like a big pioneer in that. Our founder, Albert Clay, Mm -hmm. he was also one of the founding members of uh, Malcolm X's organization of African-American unity. Ah. So when he split off uh, from the nation, mm-hmm. our pastor, Albert Clegg at the time, mm-hmm. who we know as Jeremoji Baby Ajaman, he was he like wrote the charter mm-hmm. with like another, you know, other founding members of Was James Co- was Dr. Cohn a part of that? He I don't I don't know if he worked with Malcolm X at all, mm-hmm. but he he's considered like the founder of Black Liberation yeah. Theology. Some, you know, references would refer to like our church founder, Albert mm-hmm. Clegg, but mm-hmm. they're both you know, big figures right. in, in early, Black Liberation Theology. Like early kind of, yeah, the the intellectual kind of foundation of what we understand now to be Black Liberation Theology. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And James Cone was a prof- was an academic. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the scholarly, you know, research on it, you'll see like him cited. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you could say that our pastor was like a practitioner. So he's a reverend mm-hmm. and started the shrine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nope. a, Go mm-hmm. No, 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 no. no. So, I mean, it's and it's a Christian denomination, but there are kind of a lot of, I would say, African spiritual traditions. Yeah, spiritual and traditions. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we preached about God was that we we all have God within us. That's right. And there's nothing more sacred than that's, liberating black that's right. people. That's and so, right. That's right. you know, you talk about like how it influenced my life. Like mm-hmm. from the time I was four or five, mm-hmm. really, the time like we moved to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I guess to make it make sense. The shrine expanded from Detroit. Yep. So, you know, kind of 
the post Great Migration period, and a lot of those folks migrated to the South. So That's they right. expanded to Atlanta, Houston, um, eventually South Carolina, and we could get into like why we're in South Carolina, mm-hmm. Liberia, mm-hmm. and Africa. Um, and then like other parts of Michigan. Mm-hmm. So we were a part of like the cadre who came back down from Detroit, uh-huh. came back to Atlanta mm-hmm. and they, you know, they were missionaries and they, my mom connected with them and brought us into the church. Where did they meet her at? Like how, and how, what was the hook? I would love to know. <laughs> I honestly do not. If I call my mama up, she could probably tell me right now. And I remember <laughs> who, who brought her into the church because I'm still cool with her daughter. Mm-hmm. Like me and me and, and her daughter, um, like the, the woman who brought my mom into the church, mm-hmm. her daughter and I were like around the same age. Yep. And so she's actually in Chicago, too. So we were talking about hooking up. But I, did I meet her? Did Was she the? Ch- no, go ahead. I don't uh-huh. think so. Because okay, okay. one of, it was one of the one of the young women I met in Atlanta was like, I think her dad was maybe the head head pastor of the Atlanta one but then he left but she was I, I remember she was light-skinned and there seemed to be some like dodgy Nandi probably slapped me like stop stop trying to get her to tell you what happened and I was just like oh okay but there was like an interesting thing that's is that not her I think I know who you're talking mm-hmm. I think I know who you're talking about uh-huh. um but no that's Nandi not slapped the shit out of me <laughs> that's but what that's I get. not uh-huh. no that's not that's not them I okay, think okay. I know uh-huh. but no okay. um they moved like they're based in Detroit okay. so okay she moved from Detroit. Just, now I'm telling her business, but she moved from Detroit <laughs> out out here. Uh-huh. But long story short, like it was a like multi regional church. Mm-hmm. Um, and from the time I was like four or five, like we were talking about liberating Black people, mm. and we decried individualism. And so ah, I, so uh-huh. I didn't recognize that as like you know kind of anti an anti Western precept. It was just us being in touch with what our ancestors believed in, which is communal work, uh-huh. communal um, uh, faith, mm-hmm. and like building up a nation together mm-hmm. in, in community with each other. What do you, th- how do you think you understood that as a child? Or, or how yeah, do you think a question. you were supposed to understand that as a child? Um, <clears throat> I think it was just a lot of observation, you know? And so we were just always told the group is important. The group, the group is important. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just like simple things, like kind of things you learn in kindergarten, like share what you have. Mm. Um, and people were just being generous with each other, giving each other grace. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not like having a pursuing a career that's just about you and your personal mm-hmm, wealth. Mm-hmm. It was about giving to some larger good. Mm-hmm. And so we had a, a farm project. And uh-huh. so we were encouraged to, you know, have like the first and well, not the first, but the largest like black owned farm, mm-hmm. which we still have, uh-huh. which is in South Carolina. And mm-hmm. that's how we expanded there. But it was just black people coming together with what means they had to do something for our people and mm-hmm. for our community. Mm-hmm. What were some of the, uh, you, you just named the farm project, but what were some of the other projects that um, the community came together um, under the sh- under the umbrella of the shrine to to do to agitate for to mm-hmm. raise consciousness about like what were some of the other things? Well, one of the big ones is uh, the political project, the Black Slate, and mm-hmm. that started in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And again, this is this is a, around a time when black we didn't have like we talk about representational politics and token politics. 
um, which we need to do. Mm-hmm. And it's but when we do that, it's easy to forget that, you know, 40, 50 years ago, you didn't see a black mayor. You uh-huh. didn't see black people mm-hmm. running nothing. Mm-hmm. And we are, you know, we have majority black cities. So yeah. in a majority black city like Detroit, Birmingham, right. Mm-hmm. Or like a plurality black. Well, Atlanta's still majority black, but I buy a hair now. Buy a hair. Uh-huh. It's real close. Uh-huh. But we didn't have a black mayor for that city, even though it was significantly black. Right. And so, right. you know, that plays into your consciousness when you don't even see see yourself as a leader. Mm-hmm. And so the shrine was really good about making sure that we had like they had like a separate kind of lobbying political faction mm-hmm. called the Black Slate. Ah. Um and so we would just we were out there campaigning. Like mm-hmm. it's still something that was active up until my twenties. It's active now, mm-hmm. um, and we would go out in communities and door knock and campaign. So oh. you know, you try to lobby your wherever you are, mm-hmm. um, your people to just get active uh-huh. in things that are affecting their in lives in the political arena, in the electoral yeah. arena, yeah, in the electoral arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's all types of like other community. Uh, functions. Each shrine had a black had a a black bookstore mm-hmm. that was like a cultural center. Yeah, so we yeah, would have yeah. cultural programs, mm-hmm. black owned books mm-hmm. and book signings. Mm-hmm. Um, the Atlanta region, we have a holo- a black Holocaust museum, mm-hmm. and so my mom has organized like a bunch of field nice. trips for our students uh-huh. to like just understand like what the slave ex- like a taste of what the slave experience right, was like. Right. When I say like we're building a nation on a nation within a nation, like mm-hmm. we had p- property, like we had apartment buildings, yeah. we had, uh, we have like the Weston Learning Center right. in Atlanta, mm-hmm. so like basically a school. Yep. Um, and so people essentially gave up a lot of you know like the quote unquote material world, mm-hmm. almost like being in a convent yeah. in a way, mm-hmm. um, but not not all the way. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and so when you're kind of towing that line, you know, people are committing themselves to like live on church property, like with other people. It's kind of an experiment Uh um, to just see like, what could this look like? Mm -hmm. And that bears on you because you still do have to like pay for your kids to go to college and you know, they might want a house Mm -hmm. and you know, things like that. So, um, I mean, that's probably as best as I could probably answer right now, but there's just a tension with knowing that you still live in a, in a world that requires you to have means and capital, but we're trying to promote, a different sort of value system within that. There's a tension around being very churchy in the world, but not of it. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah. the attempt at being in the world and not of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people kind of, you know, gave up, um, you know, parts of their lives to be able to live in this communal, communal society. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you, you also need the tools and the, and the means to be able to take care of people. Sure. Sure. So, Mm, interesting. Did you, what are some of your, (laughs) what are some of your fondest memories about like growing up in a, like a fibrous black community? Um, Oh, it was, it's beautiful. And so to also go back a little bit, Mm -hmm. you asked me about growing up in Atlanta and Mm -hmm. I'll say that there are parallel experiences. Mm -hmm. Like I never, ever felt less than I never felt (laughs) incapable Uh and so when you're growing up in a city again to like the to be fair to having you know kind of black representation in politics Mm -hmm. or black I'm trying to use a different term now because representation means that you're like representing a group of people on like their needs and some Mm -hmm. some of the black people in politics that we have we call it representation but they're not really representing our needs so what do you mean by representation that's right 
um, it's just kind of black visibility. Yeah. I digress. No, 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 please do not digress. I would love if you, if you parked right there for a second. Um, I'm a, I'm a, no, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna put on like the full parking brake. I'm just gonna tap the brake. Um, but growing up in, in a city like that and in an environment like that just gave me kind of the audacity and tenacity i'm gonna sound like ah! jesse jackson i got the tenacity and the audacity i can't do it uh-huh. <laughs> you're so silly. speaking of jesse jackson we're not too far from chicago yeah, that's um, right. but yeah just the boldness to be able to think that i could do whatever i want to do because that's you it know, uh-huh i've never had mm-hmm. anything but a black mayor that's right never i've had black doctors black do- like black so lawyers, many black doctors black educators from the time that yeah, I can yeah, remember, right. you know, that was my that was my my childhood. That yeah. was all of my formative years. Yeah, yeah. Um, the high achieving, you know, quote unquote, magnet schools mm-hmm. that, you know, right now, if you look at New York City, it's hard to find black people who, who get tested into those things or That's other right. people of color. That's right. Like that was not my experience at right, all. Correct. I was in high achieving programs where black people, black students. Right were the plurality that's right um if not the majority of the of the student body so you know i have friends right now like you know graduated from harvard and grad school and lawyers and doctors Mm -hmm. and i never had doubts about like what i could do sure and i think that's important okay this is my own bullshit i'm projecting onto you um do you do you think that do you think you could have you could have arrived I mean, we're still in your childhood, but we're going to ping pong around because mm-hmm. uh, you're like the second black person I've gotten in. No, third. Anyway, <laughs> do you think that you would have been able to arrive as you are, as you are, without having that beginning? Because it's, it's, and I ask because I, it, it's not the same, but it's very similar. Like, uh, like the, the, the upbringing, the background, like the, the firmament out of which you, out of which you came is very similar to mine. Like, I, I had a completely black world growing up and it was because of that I can't I didn't I didn't grow up with messages of like 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 relative or implied inferiority or like like you got like that that didn't that didn't that wasn't that mm-hmm. had no place and so and because of that it was like okay what the fuck can I do and who and who can I talk to mm-hmm. like what you know so I'm saying had you let's say you I don't know would have been cursed and like grew up in a very like not black place like portland or seattle or something i don't know do you think that you could have arrived as you are without without that beginning what arrived where and like am i leftist politics no uh, the the totality of who you are do you think you could have arrived as you are where you are right now hmm that's a good question um it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say because there are so many, I think, random events that can happen in people's lives mm-hmm. that shape who they are. Mm-hmm. So whether it was, whether it would have been Portland or like whether it would have been a, a super white environment or a black environment, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't say because I think there are a lot of other random events in between sure. sort of divorced from sure. like maybe the racial demographics that uh. shaped who, who like I ended up becoming mm-hmm. um, because I mean, you got people who, who are raised in Atlanta and you know, a lot of different uh, outcomes, you yeah, know, you listen, know, people yeah. come to a lot of different places. Yeah. So, 
You know, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't think I would be the same because I needed that to be who I was. Sure, sure. Uh, but I don't know exactly what it would look like. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, do you? Did you have an understanding of the? Did you have an understanding of your family and or greater communities like class standing or class station growing up, or did you think that like most most everybody basically lived like you growing up? I think I was aware Hmm. of the way things are stratified to an extent. What do you mean? Like I knew, because I actually had, I would say, relative privilege because... Oh my God, we're not using the P word. What do you mean? What you mean? What I I mean? I hate privilege. Go ahead. That's not your fault. It's because it's, 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 it's not precise. It obscures a lot. It's like... I, I think and, and it's like grossly misused, so it doesn't yeah. even mean anything anymore. Yeah. But go ahead, that's not that's not the point. This is about what you. So I'm gonna give us some context. Sure, sure, sure. So I I was fortunate to have parents who were educators and knew how to manage the educational system. Sure. And I think that was the key to me being able to have you know access to certain institutions because mm-hmm. um, they knew how to navigate. It. They knew how to navigate. Gotcha. It. Like we weren't rich but my mom got me like she was always able to get me into good schools got you, got you. um not just because she like knew the process but she's like a, the she's a warrior go- parent right yeah, like yeah, yeah. tiger mom whatever the equivalent is <laughs> yes. for black people she was that elephant mama yeah elephant mama <laughs> maybe lion mama lion okay um but she she was like no, uh-uh. We're going to get you into this school. We're going to get you into that school. Uh-huh. This is what you're doing. That's you right. waking up. You didn't do your home. No. Right. You got a project. Girl, what you doing in bed? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Why are you taking it out? That's right. You got homework. <laughs> that's right. So um, I think I was aware to some extent mm-hmm. of the fact that, like, I was in certain institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably probably as far as it's probably as far as it went. Like, I don't really think I thought of my family being like in a different class. It was just like, we are just black people, mm. you know, like, so did you, do you mean you didn't think of, you didn't think of your family being in a different class than the, the, the broader community that you were a part of or like just in general, like the broader, like American context. I think black. Yeah. Just, I think like our black family and friends, mm-hmm. because I think we were relatively well off compared to our family. Like my mom was the first in the family to go to college. Uh, uh, uh. And I was the first to get a professional degree. Mm-hmm. So, like, we knew of that, but it was just, like, there weren't... I don't feel like there were a lot of distinctions, like, within our family I got you. Um, dynamic. Mm-hmm. And, like, we know that we have the hood in Atlanta. But here, here's, I think, why I'm struggling with this question a little bit, mm. is that I think you could be sort of... You could be very working class or yep. even relatively like kind of low income in Atlanta yep. and it doesn't feel the same way because property is cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah, could like yeah, you yeah. could kind of have a house yeah. and be okay and yeah. have a car. Yeah, yeah. I I saw the starkness of that actually when I was an adult and moved to New York. Uh, cuz uh-huh. there were like the stereotypical projects yeah. and like when you talk about the hoods, like I didn't really see that kind of hood that okay in Atlanta. Yes. Thank you for reminding me of a memory when I moved to Atlanta like maybe uh, maybe it was uh, my second year of grad school. Like over the summer, I, I like I worked with the census. Like like I, that was my summer job. Like you know, doing the going around, like uh-huh. getting the yeah. I did the, that too. Yes, because 
that was good money right, uh, sure that, was. That, <laughs> at that time. Um, but I remember like one time I was assigned to go mm-hmm. out to like, you know, some projects or whatever. So the guy was like, you know, be careful. You know, this is a, you know, I don't know. This area is a little rough. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, you know, I'm driving over there and I'm like turning into the development or whatever. I was like, uh, with they weren't they weren't palm trees, but close to palm. And I was just like, this like, do you this think is this is rough? I'm from D.C., honey. Like this is this looks I, like I could rent an apartment here. Like, what do you right. mean? But it, it does look different. It's not it's not like it's not concrete jungle. Right. It's people not, on top of people. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I like we have multifaceted types of like black community. So yeah. like, you know, when, you know, you're like in the hood, but it's just it doesn't feel the same way. It's right. like a New York City hood. That's does. right. It doesn't. It's not as dense and like gray. It's not as dense and, and like, like overpowering. Grass. Yeah. Like it's like four like the apartment buildings were like four stories yeah. tall. Yeah. Like you still had kind of courtyards. Yep. And at one point when they were developed, they, like, they looked really nice. Yeah, that's right. At the you beginning. know, yeah, so they right. kind of went to just, well, when we start getting investments in our public housing. Yeah, that's right. Um, so like, that's a stark contrast to what you'll see mm-hmm. in like the Northeast. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I don't know if that's like a really roundabout way of answering your question, but. But you, I think what you're saying, I think what I understand you to be saying is like, you didn't feel, you didn't feel apart and separate from most of your family and or community in a classed way not really it felt like more or less basically everyone you know like had a roof over their head had a car to get to work take their kids to school and like everybody was you know able to like eke out uh, an existence for their family yeah but like nothing like like no i presume no one at the shrine used summer as a verb but i also presume that most people for the most part were like housing secure like you know could feed them you know like handle the basics i think the shrine was definitely that way even though it was in the hood and like we were in the hood Mm -hmm. it's just a different type of hood where it's just like this is just the the breath of the black experience it wasn't like very it wasn't a lot of i didn't feel a lot of distinctions it was just this is black. like somebody the other day when I said I was at Cascade, they're like, oh, you was in the hood. I was like, relax. It's, just it's like, not. Come on. I was like, oh, you was at the hood. So I was like, it's just the blacks. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just the I black part of the game, right? like, I don't <laughs> Relax. I don't know. I just didn't really have that kind of awareness. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> to that extent. Sure. Um, did you, how did you understand, your, were your parents both educators? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Like yeah, in, they're both teachers. In prim- secondary school? Primary school? S- primary. Mm-hmm. And adults, mm-hmm. and my mom has taught up to high school. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Did you have an understanding of your your parents' like politic or ideology? Not necessarily separate from, um, not necessarily separate from what was going on at the shrine, but just in general, like how how do you think you understood that as a child? Well, I knew that they were both involved. In, like they were both activists, and that's how they met. And so I. Oh, what do you mean? They both met doing anti-apartheid work yes, in uh-huh. Los Angeles. Uh-huh. But yeah, so I knew I knew like the context in which they met. Like sure. I knew that they were both into more black more left politics but, than but like average black like, people. Like Pan African politics is my assumption. I would say it it varied. Like okay. they were definitely both Pan African. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean I have an African name. Yeah. My parents changed their name to an African name. Both of them. Yeah. What did where did they go from to what from it? Kevin? Mm-hmm. So obviously my dad to <laughs> Omawali, uh-huh. and then my mother was Myrna to Imani. Oh, okay. Um, uh-huh. They changed it after they met or during. They they changed it after. I don't actually know when my father changed his name, mm-hmm. but my mom changed hers 
after I was born. Mm-hmm. But they opted on a shared, like... New a, last name. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which is Arabic. Yeah. But also it's, like, spoken in, in the continent. Yes. And Jabali is, is Arabic, and my grandmother was in the nation. She oh. was in the nation of Islam, and that's actually where they got it from. Oh. My oh. dad's father... My dad's mother, excuse me. Your paternal grandmother was a member of the nation. Yeah. So she, during the, I presume, and correct me if I'm wrong, during the Great Migration, she she left somewhere in the South. Yeah. It was either Texas. She was, it was Texas and Louisiana, but I think she specifically was from Louisiana. Okay. She, she left Louisiana for... So I've asked my dad, like, to give me the, like, the actual route. Yeah. I believe the uh-huh. last time I talked to him, okay. it was Detroit mm-hmm. to California. Uh-huh. But I could be wrong. But she converted when she got to Detroit? I'm not exactly sure when she converted. But that's, it's, it would make sense if that's sure. when she did it. Okay. Because the nation has, like, a presence in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. A big one. Yeah. Yeah, Detroit Red. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Did, so, what, your, and your dad left the nation to become a Christian? My again? dad was never in the nation. And I actually don't huh. know how he practiced. Like, How did he avoid it if his mother was a member? Um, Well. Not avoid, it's compl- but. It's, com- it's okay. complicated. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. it's complicated. All right. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> it gets like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh but i was raised i was raised christian okay but like a part of that kind of black nationalism from the nation i think my mom aligned more with like black nationalism a lot of people used to go back and forth like it bled because it all kind of bled together yeah yeah yeah, yeah, it uh did uh um and my dad was a little bit and his father were more like kind of pan-africanist got you yeah they were both into pan-africanism but they leaned more towards it Got you. Yeah. So they met as your parents met as activists. Yeah. Around the South African apartheid yes. question or problem, uh, political <laughs> uh, reality that was bullshit, and and that's how they met. They changed their names, and you understood your you, under growing up. You understood them to be like leftist pan Africanists. Yeah, like okay. I knew that what we believed was not like mainstream black politics like i i recognize that much what why what do you mean when you say that well i mean because i was i was a kid with an afro when people was like you know yeah putting relaxers and just for me was like a big thing yeah that's right um Mm -hmm. and i would have like little black girls tell me well white girl you need to get that get a hot comb through there and so Mm. i was like a kid Uh uh-huh Telling them about like the beauty of the afro, like seven oh. years old, I was like I don't need. I would use a pick. I don't need a hot comb. Like I was, I was mad extra girl. No, no, no. Like how I am right now is toned down. Like I was. Oh, you've I, moderated. I have moderated. This is me being moderate. Oh <laughs> like God. people are like, oh, you radical. Like no, girl. No. This, this is me calmer. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. I was like pra- practically on like a soapbox giving people lessons in like. Black pride and their Africanism. As a child. Uh-huh. As a kid, girl. Okay. As All a kid. Right. Like, uh-huh. every book report that I did was about... Mm. Well, any social science project I did was about sure. a radical black person. Like, fourth mm. grade was Marcus Garvey. Yes. Fifth grade was Asada Shakur. Yes. Sixth grade was the Panthers. Mm-hmm. I did, like, a... So- girl, I don't know. I'm giving you this whole no, thing. No, please. But, That's like, it was for. always steeped in, like, kind of black... Like, black left... Black nationalist, mm-hmm. black like Radicalism. radical politics. Yeah. Okay, all right. And so, did your parents at all were they were they 
kind of invested or very invested in, so, in like the mainstream electoral kind of arena? Um, or did it depend? Let me... I I don't I don't know how much they were invested. Um I I can't really recall. Like I know when it came to who we supported, mm-hmm. if I feel like it tended to be folks who were more left leaning. So Cynthia McKinney, I mean and like I don't know how it would have transpired if we had a different representative, but uh-huh. we just happened to have a representative who was probably the most like Radical in Congress yes. with Cynthia McKinney. Yes. So we supported her. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, you know, it was because of her politics mm-hmm. or she just happened to be a representative at the time. No, I'm like, sure it was both. I mean, it could be, but, you know, you know, with, with black folks, like if we see black people in office, we just want to support them, which <sighs> I'm trying started. to. God damn. Yes. Go ahead. Say it. Say it. Say I'm it. I'm just trying to. Um, liberate us Come on. from that. From Come on, yoke. I, I want us to be free. Cause from listen, we don't have time. Don't. God, go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can say the n word, but yes, like you, niggas yes. is dying. Yes. Like niggas is dying, and so Thank like you. I feel like talking about like my upbringing. She goes, I don't know if I can say the n. Come on, <laughs> go ahead. Uh-huh. And that's to me why it's kind of important to be, to talk about like the fact that I I saw like I saw. I saw the the black pride. Like I I felt it. I know how That's valuable right. it can be. That's right. Uh, for our consciousness and shaping our minds That's as right. young children. That's right. But niggas is dying. Come on. And after sixty ish years of this kind of politics, mm-hmm. it's like it's time to fucking Choose move something forward. else. Right. Like it can't just be about you know having a black face in a high place. Come like on. we absolutely right need there. to look at policy. Park right there. Park right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah. No, you talking good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm parking or I'm rolling yeah, away. I mean, do what you need, but you're... <laughs> keep going. You talking good. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and so part of, like, what I, I see my adult life being is, like... Raising our our consciousness, focusing on black people so that we know that that's not enough and that we can be honest to say that that's not enough yeah. and that we love ourselves enough mm-hmm. to keep fighting for like the folks who are struggling the most. Huh. Like I, I can't, I don't have any more patience. Like I just don't have, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Yep. I'm all that's out right. That's right. of the fucks that's to give correct. for somebody who just happens to have some melanin and they're and in like office. maybe just they're right. That's not that's not going. That's that that's not the bar. That's and it not can't the bar. be. It cannot be. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's not that's not the bar. Not when you know there's a report that came out about black millennial wealth is 52 percent less than previous generations. Yeah. And when you look at millennials as a whole, it's only 11 percent less. Like yeah. we all know millennials yeah. are suffering two pandemic. Yeah. Well, not two, but two recessions, yeah. a pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, the trauma of war yeah. and uh, September 11th. I don't know and where you Columbine, are. And Columbine. Right. It's just and, uh, yeah. uh-huh. so, so much kind of disarray with our world, not to mention just seeing like black death mm-hmm. regularly That's right. in the news cycle. And That's so right. that creates like real material outcomes or the lack thereof for That's millennials. Correct. And so it's 11% worse for millennials, but 52% worse. Mm-hmm. So black millennials are doing 52% worse than previous generations. That's right. After all this black, you know, pride, like, and this, this, ah, here we go. Be shady. This is, I'm talking to me, not, not to Malika. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's a real adult. Okay. In, in, does that not, 
what you're saying, yes, against the backdrop of everything that you're saying, receipts, like this data, like, like uh, find your words, Janelle. <laughs> Something, like one of these things is not like the other. We can't on one hand, yeah, this is, I wanted to get to this a little later, but we're here now. We can't on one hand, like, laud this idea of, like, you know, quote, generational, I fucking hate every time I hear that, generational wealth or, you know, we got to, you know, we got to use capitalism, da, 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 da. Like, we, you, you, can't, you can't puff your chest out and, like, and just make that your beat and ignore the reality that that simply has not, that simply has not resulted in any material uplift for us all. Right. Maybe for the top 5%, 10% of us, that's fine, I mean, that's not fine, but I'm saying, but you, but don't, but don't, don't, don't be, um, what's the, what's the, what's the proper term for this? Like, don't be so head ass about it just because like, what's the, there's a better word. Delusional. Thank you. <laughs> don't be so delusional. Um, don't be so delusional and don't be so like, ah, uh, like aggressively delusional. Yeah. Because it's not, it has not worked. And yeah. I, and I'm, what I'm, what has me top of mind and has my nerves bad is like there, <laughs> unfortunately, in my my opinion, and you can tell me if I'm overstepping here. In my opinion, it it is it um, it is extremely unfortunate in my perception that some of our best and brightest of the blacks are <laughs> like the best that well what what they have been um, uh, what they have been given an opportunity with regard to like a professional career. It's like basically being like glorified race hustlers and like, I don't have the words for it, but, but that grieves me because it's like, cause I have these arguments with people all the time and like regular working, not regular. I mean, you know, they have professional jobs or whatever, but it's like, how are you fixing your mouth to say that like capitalism is the best we can do? How are you fixing your mouth to talk to me about, about, you know, uh, uh, black buying power, shout out to Dr. Jared Bell. Thank you for clarifying that for us. And, 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 but like, as if that is like, as if we can consume our way out of our condition, as, as if we, as, as if this is the best we can do. I don't know. Yeah. It all just, it grieves me so much. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It's, I'm sorry. Yeah. It, um, it has definitely given me some moments of absolute frustration because then it, and I'm, I'm and not irritation saying it, yes because then you end up looking like the big black big bad crazy black bitch when yeah. you're like talking about like 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 what it means for for all of us right we just need we want outcomes and right. and Sorry. i think people conflate that with like hating on black people and right. it's like or oh you must want to be broke it's like actually i'm not broke but that's not the point the point right. is exactly <laughs> the point is that there are a lot of us who who could never ascend to some position of material comfort or the lack of um the lack of like the terrors of poverty and yeah. and everything that that brings like that you just completely you completely dis disregard and just you know are blind or you're willingly blind to so like don't go ahead sorry. yeah it's 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 a really tough spot to be in because mm -hmm. i think a lot of us have been lulled by the lullaby of capitalism mm -hmm. like it's almost it's like a religion in a way huh we're it's what we hear it's what we hear everywhere it's what we hear in church now mm -hmm. like i was at 
new birth once yeah. girl that bothered me so hey. much mm. so new birth is a mega church outside of atlanta and i remember going to a service one time and it's in this huge Cafed, yeah kind of like a it felt like a arena like yeah, a sports arena yeah. no windows you it, went when eddie long was still it was eddie long was still there mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um <laughs> on the screen she she laughed because i'm making faces <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm making like Kavya, Shady Baby. I'm making faces. Y'all can't see it. That's the good thing about audio. <laughs> but uh, on the screen, we there was like a prayer. So it was like some time for a prayer. And mm-hmm. like they just had these gold bars and we were like praying to like these gold bars I of wealth. And so I can't do it. Like the whole prosperity ministry to. That was Super big in Atlanta. I mean, still super, is. Creflo super. still, Grifton. Right. They didn't, whoever took Eddie Long's place after he died. I like, think Jamal Bryant. Okay. I'm, I'm only kind of aware of him because I think he's married to a housewife. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't pay care. attention to Potomac. That's, that's like, that's your neck of the woods, yep. girl. <laughs> don't put that on me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, there's just um, no part of our society in America that capitalism hasn't touched it. And so capitalism isn't just this way of organizing our economy. And it's not just a, a political economy. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an ideology. Hey. It's a value system. Uh-huh. And if our value system says, look out for self, do for self, mm-hmm. um, combined with America's tradition of liberalism and individualism, <laughs> you just get a lot of greedy, money-driven people. That's right. And I get wanting to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Like, socialism is about everybody being taken being care of. Being provisioned what they need to live a dignified life. To, to live a dignified life. That's and right. under this system... We're not. Ha- that's not possible. Everyone Correct. can't have a dignified. Ha- can't have a dignified Correct. life. Everybody pre- can't yes. be well off. Everybody yes. is not afforded that. And, and so- it's not because something's wrong with you. It's not because you didn't wake up early enough. You're not rising and grinding. Rise and grind. Oh, yeah. Hustle right. That's that's not it. It's this system produces injury for most of the people in it. That's just how it works. Right. Uh-huh. It, it relies on exploitation. I that's mean, right. and if you just even think about how it was formed in America, it wouldn't have happened without hey. exploitation. Like it wouldn't have yeah. happened without stealing land from the indigenous. It that's wouldn't right. have happened without. I mean, it could have happened without, but it did not happen That's without right. brutalizing yeah. black people. That's right. Stealing it didn't happen without t- taking advantage of of uh, the white poor. It yeah, didn't happen right. without taking advantage of of immigrants who yep. had terrible working conditions right. up north. So that's it right. depended on exploitation for all the years that we've had it. So yep. like, I don't, you know, I don't get what you're defending. Yeah, now. what are what are we defending yeah, when you. all we know of capitalism Ooh. is this right. exploitative process? Exploitative, so, you know, extractive, brutal. Process. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and even if we don't see it in our backyard, it's happening right now in the global south. Who the fuck isn't seeing it in their? I'm not cussing at you. Who yeah. the fuck <laughs> isn't seeing it in their backyard? Uh, riddle me that, Batman. Batwoman, listen, sorry. Listen, <laughs> um, you know, not trying to see it. Okay. I think that's, okay. All right. I think that's Ooh. a lot of it. Ooh. Okay. People ain't trying to see okay. it. So it's right in front of your face. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That's it. Okay. Did you when you when it was okay? Here's what I find fascinating. Okay, you grew you grew up as I did, very black. 
very black, which is actually like the most beautiful thing you can do for a black child is like raise them in a in a completely black environment. Just I hope to be able to do that for future imaginary children. Right, um, the hypothetical ones. That's that correct. I and think I might have. Perhaps at one day. Perhaps. Right, <laughs> perhaps at one point. But you came out of this very black milieu um, and community and firmament. Um, when it was time for you to go to school, how, what, like, what were you thinking? What were you like, how did you, how did you like want that part of your life to go? Like college? Mm-hmm. Um, I, just based on like everything my mama like beat into my head, it was like, just go to the best school possible. <laughs> it was go to the best school possible, but I knew wherever I I went, I wanted my studies to go towards black people. Mm. That whatever I learned would be able to circle, cycle back into the black community mm-hmm. in some way. And uh. that was definitely like the, the shrine right there. It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. go off to school, do what you got to do, but you're going to bring it back to the, that's right. bring it back to, you know, the community. The community. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so I, I knew I wanted, initially it was like social enterprise. Like I want to do some sort of black business. Cause it was like, I wasn't. You weren't an anti-capitalist. I wasn't. I wasn't explicitly anti-capitalist. Uh-huh, then it uh-huh. was, you know, the system doesn't isn't great. Mm-hmm. But let's try and use it in a way that's like beneficial. You were for Libby. Our people. You were. I was. I was like, with regard to maybe uh, economically. Yes. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. Like okay. you know, I didn't believe in you know American militarism. Like because even with September 11th, like low key, I was like America's foreign policy is shit. Like yes, <laughs> you know. If you're over here attacking people in the Midwest, yeah. I'm not in the Midwest, in the Middle East, <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the Middle East uh, and in the global South, mm-hmm. and now you're wondering like why things are happening. Um, you know, so I was. You were clear on that. I was part. very clear on, I was like not, I wasn't patriotic. Yeah, yeah. Like you weren't at a rah, all. rah Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that was really left was like not having like a fully formed class consciousness, ah. not fully formed. Huh, huh, huh. Um, Specifically in some sort of ideology, like sure. a socialist ideology, sure. even though it was around me. Sure. Um, I didn't have the words for it. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I wanted to do something for black people and for black people who were struggling, ah. black people who were oppressed. Like mm-hmm. we use that terminology, you know. At the shrine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like our, you know, you know, uh, all of our people like dying of oppression and things mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. that Jesus was a revolutionary. That's right. But an African revolutionary. Yes. Thank you. Right. <laughs> yes. So I knew I wanted to do something that would help black people. And so when I got to school as like... Where'd you go to school? Emory. Mm-hmm. They had a very strong African-American studies program. Yes. And I was considered the radical on campus. Even of though, course. Even though I wasn't there yet, it was still like, here's the angry black girl. Because people weren't even <laughs> like, not like conscious. People aren't even woke. Like we decry it now. Yeah. Like, oh, everybody's like so race conscious. But people weren't even talking like that when I was in school it hmm. was like very much get your degree go to a corporate job right. and like consult make consult. your money yeah, yeah that was like a that was a big thing go, right go to Wall Business, Street go to McKinsey be a lawyer doctor right. like that's it you know mm-hmm. was, of course with Emory too like we had the medical school a very strong medical program right. so like that was the the majority of like my, my peers uh-huh. at Emory mm. um but I was like you know I want to actually like invest in black communities uh-huh. like, I want to invest in the hood uh-huh. so that's what I kind of came into it doing like want like planning in my brain. Okay. Question. You yeah. wanted to invest in the hood because the hood struck like was struggling. Like I, the hood was struggling and they needed a, 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 they needed businesses to help them not struggle. I'm trying to, I, I 
I don't know what I what kind of business I envisioned when I started college. Uh. Eventually, it, it developed into me wanting to do affordable housing development. Ah, okay. okay. And so I just didn't like. I don't think I had like. I mean, I was like. 17 like I don't think I had an idea of what that looked like uh-huh, uh-huh. but I just knew I hated going from city to city my mom and I used to do road trips all the time mm-hmm. and I hated just going like up and down the east coast and you knew what the black community was that's right like without without, even, without yeah. having a step off the off ramp yep. it was like oh this is the hood yeah like we didn't have like proper infrastructure yeah still proper don't. housing mm-hmm. um so not businesses per se but I think I always just felt that our communities should feel welcoming and like they thrived. Ah, okay. And they just didn't, they don't feel that way. Uh-huh. Um, they don't have the, they don't feel that way because they're, they're neglected and don't have the, they don't get the attention in the realms of policy in the realms of, uh, or in terms of policy infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. So like I need to, I need to get my studies such that I am able to be an actor to like give the invest the some yeah. type of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, I didn't really know what that looked like, but I was like, I just want to invest in black communities uh-huh. and do good for us. Yeah, just like kind of the little you know that was a general college idea. essay. Sure, like, sure, sure. I just want to do good in the hood. <laughs> sure. Um, uh-huh. and through African American studies, that's actually what made me more anti-capitalist because that's when mm-hmm. I started to read about the origins of race huh. and racism uh-huh. in the West. Tell me what your understanding was that after studying, because I have this argument with people all the time. Please. <clears throat> that you had differences, like people, you know, recognize differences in populations and mm-hmm. phenotype. Mm-hmm. But the way that race categories like Negro uh-huh. and white mm-hmm. and Indian uh-huh. and yellow or whatever mm-hmm. was created to protect capital. That's it was a right. way of maintaining a system of slavery where you needed to have a hierarchy in order to justify why you're going to Africa to pick up all these people. That's right. Because it wasn't, you know, after a time they weren't able to use the indigenous right. after time, they weren't able to use like white people, right. you know, European, European. peasants or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was like, how do we, I mean, and this is just lit. It's like, it's, it's in the text. Like, oh, they, come on, it's in the text. It's, it's, it's in the text. Like uh-huh. read <laughs> the idea. I, I recommend this book to everybody. I want to say it's called the idea of race mm-hmm. and it goes from, um, W.B. Du Bois to Immanuel Kant to philosophers even from like the 21st century mm-hmm. um, and how they conceived of race right. and all the earliest conceptions of it yeah. they created a hierarchy where black people were on the bottom That's right. wasn't well, that a quinky dink right. we're right. the folks that you want to enslave and That's somehow right. like we're the least civilized yeah. we're the most ugly we're the most immune to pain all these things yeah. that are just super convenient yeah, for slavery yeah. yeah to justify what you want to do yeah to this yeah and so mm-hmm. to see that written and ri- like to see that written out mm-hmm. visually mm-hmm. and to th- imagine that people were coming up with ways to brutalize mm-hmm. and dehumanize a whole people just for wealth sickened me yeah Physically, like, like yeah. this is this is the origins of this system that we have. Uh, like, you know, racism, like race isn't just it's it, not natural. Right. It wasn't this natural <laughs> thing. It was yeah. literally invented. Yeah. Um, and it has shifting it has shifting logics also as depending on where you are and depending on like how what the social relation is supposed to be in that place. It, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is that you need to be done with capital, yeah. like black people just somehow we we fit that so that's that right. we could be, you and, know, the equipment that you use. That's right. 
and where there are not black people, there are still what like one time. Do you are you familiar with Giannis Varoufakis? He's um he's the he was the former like Greek finance minister mm-hmm. during their yes. like thing. He was I was reading a, a piece on him uh, a, a while ago, and when he was at university in England, maybe he was at Cambridge or something like getting his PhD or whatever the fuck. Uh, he um he was the president of the Black Student Association, and I guess the interviewer or somebody was asking like. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Like, what the fuck? He was like, he was like, yes, it does. He was like, the Greeks and the Irish, we are the blacks of Europe, and that is why. <laughs> that's why I became. That's why I insisted on, you know, working up and becoming the president of the Black Student Association at, you know, whatever the fuck. I was like, yeah, well, he's got kind of a point there. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. But wild, to your point, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and and of course, like I'm just thinking specifically of like how it has developed in in the U.S. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, capitalism has had all types of. Um, incarnations incarnations yeah. iterations mm-hmm. um but just in the united states and like the and what led to the industrial revolution was the exploitation of black people and so when i when i became aware of that uh, through african my african-american studies program yeah, through yeah. our history class yeah. i was like oh no mm. oh no no no, no like, this we're cannot, not doing this there's got to be another way hey. so i mm. wasn't like i wasn't socialist yet because mm-hmm. I hadn't really read a lot of socialists like I read communist Manif- manifesto sure. um but like that was a while ago you know what I mean <laughs> like it did and it, I didn't see how it applied to sure. my life sure. as a black person sure. um so yeah from that point and at the time I also had started to develop a closer relationship with my godfather mm. who was a black panther and ah. socialist mm. like super socialist he was a panther where New York. Ah, okay. Was the he Harlem, a, mm-hmm. Harlem chapter. Did he know the, the what was the New York Five? Yeah, he, oh, okay. he knew a Faney. No, uh-uh. Like, they were very good, good friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. He was, he's actually Tupac's godfather. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, and so, like, he kind of put more of a uh, ideology to what I was feeling kind uh. of instinctively uh-huh. like which was sickened yeah yeah sure <laughs> and it's like well that's capitalism that's how it works that's i was like oh okay cool. i get it uh, yeah so i i went to school um just knowing i want to do some for, something for black people and i came out of it definitely like an anti-capitalist okay. there was no question about it yeah okay yeah because of your studies and what you yeah what came into relief about connecting the the plight of the you know centuries-long brutalization and suffering uh exploitation extraction of the continent as well as its people like connecting that to like our current day kind of uh economic financial order like that's what did it for you yeah mm-hmm. uh the financial order but also you know it's the social order so the, also yes sorry uh, yes mm-hmm. you know like the way that we are um the way that racism manifests, mm-hmm. it, it manifests in so many ways because of people's greed. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. all the stereotypes that come with how we think about black people, mm-hmm. how we envision black from black laziness to, to black violence, like yeah. came out of protecting capital. Yeah, that's right. So all that, all of that frustrated me. It was like this, this, <laughs> this institution created all of these problems for my people. Like, I was pissed. Yeah, sure. I was angry. Sure, sure. And then I was like, y'all don't see this? Like, sign this petition. Y'all don't see it? They're like, girl, go, just go to the club. Like, what are you doing? Right. We, go okay. home. We just take a shot. Right. <laughs> just chill out. I was right. like, I can't be chill. You're right, I can't. Why How you can chill? you chill? Right. I know now. You know what James Baldwin said? <laughs> I, was, right. I was a lot. He was crunk. Very uh, crunk. And that was actually, you know, that was the parlance at yeah, the time. That, that was, was. crunk. That, that, <laughs> that, was, that was the parlance of the time. It that actually, was the parlance it, of the day. Absolutely was. Um, <laughs> did you did you feel 
alone in your in your in your anti-capitalist epiphanies during undergrad yeah i did i mean i but even before that i felt alone in just talking about racism like we were we were at <laughs> like bare bones like we didn't even have a functioning black student alliance really? at emory wow i was when big, you matriculated when i matriculated yes but mm-hmm. that was honestly i put i put pressure on like the folks who said that they were like trying to get it started yeah um and it was just kind of sitting around i was like yo well i'm about to have another organization we're gonna be like, talking about black stuff <laughs> like i was looking at the charter documents the other day it was mm-hmm. called the black think tank i was like we're gonna be more woke than the black student alliance because they ain't really talking about nothing right, right now. you playing mm-hmm. um like y'all playing games yeah, so what we doing right. right um <laughs> so we didn't even have a black student alliance if you tried to get people to talk about racism on campus it usually just came after there was some big event but sure. it wasn't an ongoing community of blackness period ah. so like just even getting to like the point of class consciousness like we didn't really have a lot of race consciousness uh. and that was very hard mm-hmm. so we had like african-american studies department two when i graduated two of us graduated from the afam program really two majors in your class yes that was wow it. okay me huh. and his and his brother i'm gonna shout him out hams is sonny mm-hmm. Um, I think he's in the D.C. area now. Okay. But anyway, we're the only two. And then I think we had an African-American studies, studies minor. And that was it. Interesting. Huh. Okay. So I didn't know that, that was like small. my home. I was always up and through mm-hmm. the AFAM department. I got you. Okay. As I, that was, I minored in African-American studies. So I was. Okay. I was pretty familiar with Wait, that. where did you go to school? Howard. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You. Um, so shout out to Dr. Carr, who. Save my black mind. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, Doc Carr and others, but like, he was just like, oh my. It was just like, <laughs> whoa, I am understanding things with right. a new brain. It's like claw clicking. Yeah, it's like, whoa, whoa, okay. That right. thing my grandma does isn't just random. You know what I mean? Like, it's yes. <clears throat> saving the black child. That's what an HBCU does. Um, <laughs> right. I think every black person needs to do some African American studies something. I don't know if it's yeah. a class or a series of classes. A series. Some of us need it. Some, some of us need a lot. Some of us need a lot because some of us are still know, confused. But we don't know. That's correct. Did you still maintain that desire to like quote do good for the hood when you graduated, or did had your idea changed a little bit? Um. No, I still wanted to do for black people. I think it just developed into a for, like something more, more, um, just more concrete. Mm-hmm. It was like affordable housing development. Okay. So I wanted to create like housing that a lot of it in New York City is like these for-profit developers mm-hmm. who are trying to take advantage of, you know, the speculation and yep. land prices yep. and so i was like i just i don't want to do that kind of thing like mm-hmm. i just want to be like a socially responsible affordable housing developer okay and did you leave when you graduated did you leave and join an organization or uh, or a government arm to do that i did so i developed that in grad school in mm-hmm. new york mm-hmm. um and around the time that's when i joined operation power got you so you so you went to grad school right after undergrad? right after yeah where'd you go to grad school the School of Social Work at Columbia. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, and I definitely became more anti-capitalist there. I used, I started to use the socialism word in grad school. Why did that, why? The recession. Oh, okay. That, yeah. How did, park right there. 2008. You can tell me to stop saying park right there. Sorry. Um, <laughs> to, how did, what was your understanding of 2008 
as a as a as a you know young person like that was you know let loose on the world like i tell me if i'm incorrect in saying this but to me my recollection of the time is that like everything that you know people our generation um were socialized into in terms of like a life to live or expect to live and this is what you do like that got thrown out the thrown out the ventana um yeah. at that time <laughs> and that like and just and it was just it was like jarring and confusing so it's like okay well what the fuck like i i now inhabit a world that I, like i was taught yeah w- like did not exist um and did not function this way so like what was that like for you was it similar or was it different it was definitely similar i was in school Somewhat fortunate, like 2008, I was still in school. I graduated in 2009 from grad school. Mm -hmm. But that's when I felt it because it was like, I have this degree from an Ivy League school, this like private liberal arts college. Mm -hmm. Like I have skills, Mm -hmm. like I know I could do things. And it took months for me to just find a job. Mm -hmm. Like I went back home to Atlanta. That's around the time that we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't find a job. I had to like, basically get the hookup. I yeah. got the hookup with some random, like I was an executive assistant mm. for a shady ass, like hedge fund manager Ew. who I found out is now in jail because he was running a Ponzi scheme. But that's how hard up I was. Like yeah. I couldn't get like a mainstream job. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that was very frustrating. Cause it was like, I can't be a real adult. Right. And I valued my independence. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I don't know how it was for you, but my mama was like, "Okay, you need get get your get get your situation together. Right, you're not gonna be up under this roof." That's like right. I went to because they're because that's their expectation of like the you know the the stages of maturation into adulthood is like you you know you you go to you go to school so you can get a job so that you can live on your own and you know start your own life. You had already decided you wanted to go to law school after getting your master's in social work. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I was a law minor. Like, I had always intended on it being, like, together. And uh-huh. then I just kind of moved it apart. Uh-huh. Um, was your, was this, was the stress, was the stress of this time of, like, not really being financially independent in the wake of 2008, working for this, you know. Shady dude. Shady gentlemen like was that was that exasperated because of any the student that you had i presume you had some but like was was did that like compound what was already like stress yeah oh for sure Mm -hmm. like i just i was like i need some sort of security Mm -hmm. i had eight thousand different jobs i think i had to and i needed to make money so i just became a restaurant hostess i wasn't good enough to be a waitress because it was too stressful Mm -hmm. so i became a a hostess during this period Mm. um we had a home that was getting threats to get foreclosed on because it was targeted with a subprime mortgage so we were we were living it and you're you're with your parents yeah wow 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 Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. we were targeted with a sub with a subprime mortgage so our like the effects of the recession were very real yeah were very real for intergenerationally yeah like to this day it's something that my mom still has to deal with Mm. Um, it's still the lingering effects of yeah wow absolutely Ah, absolutely Mm -hmm. because it took forever for us to get equity back in the home yeah 
So even if we wanted to sell it during that period, like we couldn't. It would have been a short sale, which there were a lot at the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And in Georgia, it was like a huge foreclosure That's capital. Right. That's and right. black communities were targeted. That's correct. Um, SWATS was like, there's just signs up. Every, I, rem- <laughs> I remember that very clearly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is crazy now to go back and like see the, yes. that there's like $500,000 homes in the West End. Are you I'm priced high? out. I am priced out of the West what? End. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. I can't. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and you have like well off middle class black families who endured the same thing. That's and, right. Like so, it was just like if you was, were a black person in the South, you were for the most part like you were impacted in some way. That's right. Or it, or if you had the you had the dumb luck to have not been directly affected, you definitely knew a handful of people. Yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. You know. So we had there's this subdivision I think called Southland, mm-hmm. and that was always like ooh like the the hoity toity you know neighborhood on mm-hmm. the east side of of the suburbs of Atlanta uh-huh. were like well like black people who just did well thrive yeah, that's right. and they were hit like that's exceptionally right. hard that's right. by, the, that's right. by the financial crisis that's right. so no it wasn't it was not escapable in mm-hmm. georgia and it wasn't a theoretical experience like it wasn't you weren't you weren't observing this the fallout of the crisis from afar like kind of like at an academic room it wasn't it theoretical was like, right yeah. it was your life it wasn't hypothetical mm-hmm. it was we need to find like I need to find roommates because I like I can't afford like this place. Yeah. Um. I need to figure out what I'm gonna do about a job. I guess I have to rush to go back to school when I didn't plan on it because mm-hmm. there is no, no financial security yeah. for me here, That's even right. with this degree that I have. And I guess and I this, got two of them. This masses. Yeah. Listen, this <laughs> masters degree that I've now spent over a hundred six figures on, wow. I can't get a job to pay it back. Wow, 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 um. Wow. So I'm scrambling. Like yeah. I gotta do something. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Mm. So I just ended up getting in more debt to. To get rid of that debt. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, here we are. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah. The African American Studies to Socialism Pipeline. We don't hate it. We don't hate it. (laughs) Tune in for part two, where she helps me fix my ashy-ass analysis regarding universal programs, the road she took to centering Black people in her political writing, and what people continue to overlook about deindustrialization, specifically as it relates to Black people in the Midwest. Part two is up on the Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash what's left to do. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash what's left to do and support this work. You get an early first listen, but don't fret. If you can't swing our Patreon at five bucks a month, all Patreon episodes will be unlocked after 30 days. Okie dokes. See you over on Patreon. Patreon.